1: You guys doing well? Outstanding. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church. believe is our current teaching series. We're working our way through the gospel according to John. I want to welcome those of you that are on YouTube Live. Thank you for joining us. Hey, let's just take a moment here at the beginning, and let's pray for the people of Afghanistan. Would you do that with me? Let's pray. Father God, we're thankful that You hear us, You love us, You care about us, and You care for the people there in Afghanistan. We pray against the darkness that's in that that area, Lord. I pray that it would be broken by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for those who remain that are there, that, that feel that there's no hope. We pray for their supernatural protection and provision. We pray for those who have left, forced to flee their country, their home. God, that you would find them a home now, a place of safety and security. We pray for the women of 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 that area Lord I pray for their protection and their their rights Lord I pray for the Afghan church Lord may it even more so flourish during this time Lord protect them be with them bring hope to the people of Afghanistan God I pray that you would stop the evil of the Taliban break the power the demonic power that's uh, that that they are under Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray these things. Be with the people. May you be glorified in the midst of all of this. We pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. So we're working our way through the gospel according to John. The Secrets of the Vine is the title of this weekend's message. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15. We're looking at verses 1 through 11. Those were the verses that were just read. The night before Jesus died... He prepares His disciples for troubling times, turbulent times, to say the least, like torture and martyrdom. That's what they will be facing as they spread the gospel throughout the world. And that's found in chapters 13 through 17. Obviously, this text is very relevant for us in our turbulent times, in our uh, polarizing times today. In fact, if you can learn this, what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, chapters 13 all the way to 17, you can face anything. You can apply this to your life and and be able to respond appropriately to the situations that we're facing here in our country. Take a look at your sermon notes here. The secrets of the vine, so that's what we're looking at, secrets of the vine, are the secrets to living a fulfilling life. We all want to live a fulfilling life. We want to be satisfied in life. We want to know when we get to the end of our life, we have no regrets. We've lived life to its fullest. We've done everything that we we should do in our life. And he's going to show us how we can do that, how we can live a fulfilling life, a satisfying life. So this fulfilling life is less about circumstances and more about our character. And nothing will bring you a more fulfilling life than Christ-like character. So this is all about Christ-like character. Christ-like character comes from our vital union and communion with Jesus Christ. John 10.10, many of you are familiar with this verse, kind of theme verse of our church. Not the first part, but the second part, though you can look at the whole part because it really talks about our culture. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's happening in our country. That's happening around the world. We have an adversary that's out to destroy our lives. And yet in the midst of this this hopelessness, Jesus came and invaded this world with his presence, his power and peace. He says in that verse, I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. In spite of all of the destruction and the thief coming to kill, steal, and destroy, I give you fullness of life, a fulfilling life that can only be found in me. And and so we believe here at Desert Breeze, and and our goal really is to help unchurched people become fully devoted followers of Christ. We believe that full devotion to Christ and fullness of life are one and the same pursuit. And so the more you walk with Him, the more you're going to live a fulfilling life, the more you're going to become more like Him. You'll become more Christ-like. So here's my question for you as we talk about the secrets of the vine. Is your life becoming more and more characterized by the fruit of the Holy Spirit? If we were going to define What that looks like to become Christ-like, it would be the fruit of the Holy Spirit would be one of those lists of descriptions. So, is your life becoming more characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? As you walk in vital union and communion with Christ, this is what should be being produced in your life. Now, listen to what C.S. Lewis says. It's on your notes here, a quote from him. Each day we are becoming a creature of splendid glory or one of unthinkable horror. Now, even as Christians, even as believers in Christ, if we don't deal with our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, they will progressively get worse over time impeding our walk with Christ and witness for Christ. Now what's fascinating about over the last couple of years with this pandemic and all the, the political craziness and I've seen I've seen actually Christians not really behaving well in a lot of ways. I'm not thinking of anybody in particular here, okay? I'm just thinking in general. And I, and I want to make sure that I respond well because there certainly have been times when I haven't responded well and I want to respond well. And I want to respond out of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Listen to another quote by C.S. Lewis. When we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. And so, as I get older, even as a Christian, I don't want to get bitter and angry and be filled up with depression and all of that. No, I should be actually experiencing more of that through the Holy Spirit in my life. That's, that's what I want for my life. That's what I want for your lives. I, I want us to grow in Christ's likeness, and that's where that, a fulfilling life is found. Now, here at Desert Breeze, we have a 5G process to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. Most of you have gone through the, the DB life. used to be called Game of Life. How many have gone through uh, Game of Life or DB Life? Yep, yeah, most of you have done that, and it's an important class. It's the heart and soul of Desert Breeze. So we take you through these five Gs, genuine, growing, giving, going, all for God's glory. Today we're dealing with the second G, a growing Christian. So if you're a genuine Christian, if you're walking with God, you're gonna naturally want to live His Word. It's gonna transform your life. You're going to have more and more of the fruit of the Holy Spirit evident in your life. And so this text helps us to understand what that looks like, how we can experience that in our lives. And in fact, we're we're kicking off the DB Life class here in September. If you have not gone through that class, I would invite you to go go through it. I have the privilege of teaching it. I love the class. It's a great class And so let's take a look at this text, Five Secrets to Living a Fulfilling Life, living life to its fullest. Here's the first one. The secret to a fulfilling life is fruitfulness. That's your first fill in the blank. So if you wanna get the most out of life, you wanna end your life without any regrets, if you really wanna understand what it means to find satisfaction in life, it's right here. It's fruitfulness. Look at verse two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. doesn't sound fun. Prune. Yeah, the word prune, pruning brings greater productivity, greater fruitfulness. So the word prune here means to cleanse. And what's fascinating about this, if you've ever done any studies on vineyards, is that if you were to go to a vineyard right after the pruning with an ignorant eye, you would be absolutely shocked because what you would see all over the ground are lots of beautiful bright green leaves, even incipient clusters of grapes on the ground that were starting to come in and now have been ripped out just before they could actually mature. You'd go, whoa, what did he? I think he's gonna kill the plant. How many have ever felt like that God was killing you rather than actually helping you in your circumstances. Yeah, I think He's trying to kill me. No, He's just pruning you. He loves you. And so what we have to do is, I think it's teaching us something, every loss, every difficulty, every bit of suffering in your life is used by God to bring about exceeding gain, fruitfulness that will far outweigh the loss. Because it helps that plant to be more productive and more fruitful, the pruning process. Now, why would he do that? Look at verse 8, in your, if you get got your Bibles open. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my, my disciples. So fruitfulness brings glory to God. So the more you live for God's glory. See, you were created by God for God to live for His glory. And that's where you're going to find the most fruitfulness, when you live your life for His glory, fully devoted to Christ. And fullness of life are one and the same, as we've said. Fruitfulness brings glory to God and is a mark of being a follower of Christ. So if you're you're producing fruit in your life, you're becoming more like Christ, that's evidence. First of all, it brings glory to God. It points back to Him, but it also... It shows that you truly are a follower of Christ. Verse 16, Jesus said to his disciples, this wasn't part of our reading, part of our text, it's for next week, but he says, I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. So our purpose is to live fruitful lives, to become more Christ-like. Now, you've heard me say this many times before, I think it's important for us to repeat it, you know, from time to time, because we tend to forget this. It's not what happens to you, but what happens in you that makes you or breaks you in life. It's not what happens to you, it's not your circumstances, and I'm not minimizing your circumstances. All of us have gone through bad circumstances for the most part. It's not your circumstances, it's not what happens to you, your circumstances, but what happens in you, your character that makes you or breaks you in life. That's important to keep in mind. Like I said, we've all gone through hard circumstances, but it's not the circumstances than make you or break you. It's your character and how you respond to the circumstances. And we'll talk, we'll talk more about that in, in just a moment as we kind of unpack this study. But in fact, your circumstances will reveal your character. Circumstances reveal your character and give you opportunity to grow your character. Think about maybe you're going through negative circumstances right now. What is it revealing about your character? And then don't get down on yourself. Just say, hey, this is an opportunity for me to grow my character. Now, Romans eight twenty-eight. how many have memorized that verse? Romans 8, 28. you guys know what I'm talking about? For we know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. We love that verse. It's a wonderful verse. And yet we fail to read the next verse because the next verse is telling the purpose that God has in our good, bad, and ugly circumstances. He's working all those together for good, for our purpose, for the purpose of what? Anybody know what the next verse says? To become formed into the image of Christ. We become more Christ-like. He's developing our character through all the circumstances of our lives. So he's working all things for our good because he wants us to become more like his son. So this is what we could uh, say. All the suffering, difficulties, and pain in life are meant for you to grow stronger, wiser, deeper, more intimate, and mature in your relationship with God. So it's not what happens to you, your circumstance, but what happens in you, your character that makes you or breaks you in life. That's why you can have two people in in almost identical circumstances, and one over time becomes more anxious and angry and bitter and depressed, and the other becomes stronger and wiser and deeper and more intimate and mature in their relationship with Christ. It's not the circumstances, it's it's your response to the circumstances, it's your character. And so no suffering is too difficult to endure if it gives you a greater capacity to know Christ and walk with Christ and to become more like Christ so that's the first one. The secret to a fulfilling life is fruitfulness. That's Christ like character. And so here's the second one the, the secret to fruitfulness is abiding. Look at verses 4 and 5. Abide in me, and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Now, if you are not currently growing and you're becoming, if you're not becoming more and more Christ-like, then you are, Maybe not vitally connected to Christ, or it could be you're just going through a winter season. Now, you're not going to have four seasons of fruitfulness. You're going to have some seasons where, like in wintertime, there's no fruitfulness. You gotta, and you've got to be okay with that. But if you don't ever get to a season of fruitfulness, then you're not connected, you're not abiding. In fact, the word abide is used 11 times in this chapter, so it sounds like it's probably a pretty important word, (laughs) to say the least. So the Greek word is mino, M-E-N-O, and it means literally to make your home in. Abide, make your home in. So when you make your home in Christ's love and truth, when you make your home in the person and work of Jesus Christ, what do you do? You reflect on it. You saturate yourself in it. You rejoice over it. You experience it. You stand in awe and wonder of it. And spiritual fruit will naturally spring up in your life. So this, abide, this, this idea of abiding is and, and, and understanding it is that spiritual fruit comes from, it comes from being swept up into intimate, loving encounters with Christ Jesus. That's that's the idea of abide. You have this love relationship, this intimacy with God. So, if you want to be more fruitful, let me ask you a question. You can answer this uh, out loud if you want. Just don't get it wrong, okay? Um, So, if if I want to become more like Christ, what should I focus on? Should I focus on becoming more like Christ, or should I focus on being with Christ? Which one? Okay, you've heard me teach that many times before. The the tendency, and many times, very legalistic churches would focus on being like Christ. You better hit this punch list, come on, you can do better than that, come on. And actually, your focus should be on being with Christ. Because let me just say something about focusing on being like Christ. It'll it'll turn you into a Pharisee. And when you're doing really well, you're going to be full of yourself. You're going to look down on all those that aren't living quite up to the standard that you're living. And when you're not doing so well, it's going to bring despair, hopelessness. You're going to want to throw in the towel. I can't do it. There's no way. Of course you can't do it. You can't become like Christ on your own. That's insane. And even if you think you have become like Christ on your own, you're delusional okay? You're not thinking clear enough about Christ, who Christ is, and what He's done. So even Pharisees haven't really lived up to that standard. They think they have, and that's what creates this pride within them. No, your preoccupation shouldn't be that. It should be being with Christ. Focus on being with Christ, not based on your performance in record, but on His performance in record, So, your being with Christ is not because somehow you've you've achieved it, but you have received it by grace through faith in Christ. You didn't earn that. It was provided for you. In fact, people who become like Christ are not those who understand are those who understand let me say that again people who become like Christ are those who understand that God's love and approval of them is not dependent on their becoming like Christ it is only when we understand that his love and approval is not conditioned on our fruitfulness that we gain the power to become truly fruitful. So so our sanctification growing and becoming more like Christ is called sanctification. It's based on our justification where He declares us righteous by grace through faith in Him. I don't earn my salvation. It's been given to me. It's a costly gift. It's blood-bought by our Savior, so it's very costly at the same time, I didn't earn it. I enter into it, I accept it, I I embrace it. I can be with the creator of the universe 24-7. I can interact with him, I can know him. See, our fruitfulness comes from his love and approval. So, 2 Peter 1, 3-4 says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, so knowledge means intimacy with Him. So His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. There's a Christ-likeness. We can respond to the circumstances of life. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by His glory and goodness. That's salvation. It's His work. He's called us. He's invited us into this intimate relationship with Him. And then it goes on in this text. And it says in verse 4, 2 Peter 1.4, by which He has granted to us precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of, of the divine nature. What? Supernatural nature within us, the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit last weekend. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We become less and less like the world and more and more like Christ. So the secret... To a fulfilling life is fruitfulness, Christ's likeness. The secret to fruitfulness is abiding, making your home in Christ's love and truth, in His person and work. Now, the secret to abiding is obeying. That's your next fill in the blank. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I think he's answering a question for us. So what does it mean to keep his commandments? Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So what does it mean to keep his commandments? I think verse 7 answers that. It's to have his words abide in us. Now let's talk about this just for a moment. So what does that mean to obey? Christian obedience is different than all other kinds of obedience because it grows out of love. We're motivated out of love, and, and that's important. So, when you love somebody, you fall in love with someone. Some of you, that were, when you were first married, maybe you didn't say this, but maybe you were thinking this. At least I was. I don't know Nancy was. So, when, when you love somebody, what do you say to them? Your wish is my command. Uh, you didn't say that? Okay, maybe you didn't say that, but I mean, I was, I'm certainly thinking that. Like, even before we got married, I was like, "Woo, baby, I'm going to do everything I can. Your wish is my command. And I felt, you know, she felt the same way. And, and, and so uh, you hope that it never gets to the place in your life where you say, what do you want now? So, okay, let's do a little marriage talk here just for a moment, because you guys were laughing a little bit louder than what you should have. You're thinking, oh, that's a joke. No, I'm I'm serious. You fall in love with someone, and it's like, your wish is my command. But if it's come to, what do you want now? You need to start working on that love, because that's really how you feel when you're in love with someone. Your wish is my command. I love you. In fact, that should be getting stronger and stronger in your marriage relationship. And so, Christians know that they don't obey to get God's blessing. You guys know that. You don't obey to get God's blessing. It's called legalism, by the way. And I hear a lot of churches teach that. Come on. You want God's blessing? You better start obeying Him. Well, that's, that's legalism. There is blessing in obeying Him, but we don't originally obey Him to get His blessing. We already have His blessing, therefore we obey Him. I mean, He has blessed us beyond our wildest dreams. I mean, we have His presence in our life. Oh my goodness, He's forgiven us of all of our sins. He indwells us with His Holy Spirit. I mean, when you think about all that He's done for us, why wouldn't you obey Him? I mean, you fall in love with Him. And you want to honor him and love the one who loves you beyond your wildest dreams more than anybody else could love you. Of course you're going to say, your wish is my command. Oh, my goodness. Of course. Of course I'm going to obey you. It's not, what do you want now, God? No, that's, that's the heart of someone that doesn't really understand who Christ is and what he's done for them. So it should just be that natural and natural overflow of your life. Yeah, of course. Yes, I love you. Yes, I want to obey you. Yes, I want to honor you. Yes, I'm going to live for your glory. Listen to what it says in um, Psalm 1, three. Maybe you're familiar with it. Psalm, Psalm 1, it talks about, it makes the distinction between righteous and unrighteous. And he starts off with really uh, he, he starts off with the righteous. He says, blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of the sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, listen to this, his delight is in God's word, is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. What is that saying? It's saying the righteous person just loves having God tell him what to do. He delights in the law of the Lord. God, tell me what I need to do. I love you. I want to honor you. Yes, that's healthy, and normal Christianity. So that's part of that obeying God. See, because we understand that God's commandments, God's commandments are His character, and they also come to us out of His perfect love and infinite wisdom. And to do anything contrary to His commandments is to trample on His perfect love and infinite wisdom. He loves you. He has your very best interest at heart. Why has He given us His word? so that we can follow Him and know Him and love Him and experience Him in, in our lives. So that's why, we would, that's why we would obey Him. And if you're going to keep His commandments, then His Word must abide in you, Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. So what does it mean for His words to abide in you? Because we can all say, oh yeah, I obey God, but if they're not abiding in you, then you probably really aren't obeying God. So it's one thing to read the Bible for doctrinal information or spiritual inspiration, but it's altogether another to have God's Word dwell in you. That's what ultimately really transforms your life. Do you have God's Word dwelling in you? That means to read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, let it come inside of you and be a part of you. To let the Word of God become your worldview and your interpretive grid of all of life. Can let's go back to the statement we said earlier. It's not what happens to you, your circumstances, but what happens in you, your character that makes you or breaks you in life. Part of your character, a big part of your character, is your biblical worldview, having the Word of God dwell in you. Now, let me take it a little bit further here. How you mentally evaluate the circumstances of your life, determine how you will feel and behave in response to those circumstances. It's not the circumstances of your life that m- that make you angry. It's not the people in your life that make you angry or depressed or anxious. It's what you're saying to yourself about those circumstances. And if you don't have a biblical worldview, you're not saying really good things about your circumstances. You're going to ride the roller coaster of your circumstances. So being a healthy person, having the character of Christ, is beginning to evaluate all of life from a biblical worldview. If you have inordinate anxiety, anger, depression, setting aside any physiological contributions... What I mean by that is rest and diet, and that's, <laughs> that's all really important. And maybe even some chemistry imbalances that might need some, uh, some medication. That's totally appropriate. So setting aside that, if you have inordinate anxiety, anger, depression, what's going on? I think you're failing to add into the equation of your life and the circumstances of your life the fact that God is for you and not against you. He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? If he didn't spare his own son and taking care of your worst problem, your eternal separation from him, he's not going to spare anything else. And so when you add that into your interpretive grid, it makes a difference in how you respond to the people, things, and circumstances of life. But it's got to abide in you. It's got to be a part of your life. you got to eat, sleep, and drink this. So, part of your daily devotion should involve something like this, Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Maybe you're familiar with it. Psalm 139 is a great psalm anyway. It's a beautiful psalm. Here's how it goes. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the path everlasting. You hear what's going on there? It's called emotional intelligence. You've got to have a sense of like, Where, why am I so bothered by this? What's going on? Why am I so angry? And you've got to allow Christ to meet you right there. You can't, you've got to stop pretending. You've got to say, man, I'm just... I'm all jacked up about this life and the situation and politics and COVID and all of these things, and I find myself not responding with Christ's likeness to the people that oppose me in some form or fashion. you got to say, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Reveal my heart. See if there be any anxious ways in, in my heart. See if, if I'm not responding to life appropriately, and then in that, allow Him to meet you. Right there. We talked about it last week. We've been talking about it quite a bit since the beginning of the year. Triggers. You've got to look for triggers in your life. Triggers are anything that sparks an intense emotional response, regardless of your current mood. So you're looking for those triggers in your life. Why does that person make me angry? Why do I not want to be around that person? Why is this happening in my life? God, search me and know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any offensive. Am I responding to the cir- circumstance of my life appropriately? And lead me in an appropriate way according to your word. Reorder my negative thoughts and emotions. So you follow the triggers to overwhelming thoughts and emotions to their origin. You see overwhelming thoughts and emotions are revealing distinct parts of your soul that need care. So what do you do in those times? You begin to let the Bible address you, argue with you, preach to you, and reorder your thoughts and feelings. So let me give you an illustration of that. I'll just stay in the book of Psalms. Psalms covers all of these emotions. I love the book of Psalms. 150 chapters of raw emotion, and God meeting the psalmist right there in the midst of that raw emotion. So I'll just give you a quick list here. So you want to have joy and peace apart from circumstances? Psalm 4. You feel like you're under a lot of verbal attack at work or in the church or any other place? Psalm 5. You feel like you don't matter to God? I I know I don't matter to people, but I don't even feel like I matter to God. Psalm 8, you matter to God. You feel abandoned by God? Psalm 13. You feel dissatisfied in life? Psalm 16. You feel discontent in life? Psalm 23. You need guidance in life? Psalm 25. You have fear in your life? Psalm 27. This is just a short list of how God, through His Word, meets with us in the midst of our issues. See, that's what it means to obey Him. Not just in some general way, oh, well, yeah, of course I obey God. No, no, His Word dwells deep in your heart, and you're beginning to confront a lot of the negative of thoughts and emotions with the, His truth and begin to follow that out and how you should respond to that in such a way that would honor Him and glorify Him. Your best defense against the lies in your head is the rehearsal of God's word in your heart. Now, believe me, our inordinate emotions reveal that we have a lot of lies in our head about God, about ourselves, about our circumstances. So how do we confront those lies? With the rehearsal of God's word in our heart. The secret to a fulfilling life is fruitfulness. The secret to fruitfulness is abiding. The secret to abiding is obeying. The secret to obeying is loving. That's the next fill in the blank. You guys still with me? Okay. I think there's about 10 or 12 of you. Are the rest of you with me? Okay, cool, cool. Just want to make sure. Yeah, the guy in the booth back there. I love it. So let's take this next one. The secret to obeying is loving. Look at verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. That's that's kind of the key phrase there abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I don't know if you noticed that in verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And actually, the Bible says elsewhere that the way that God loves the Son, that's how much he loves us. So however much he loves the Son, he loves us. And now Jesus is saying, how much the Father loves me, that's how much I love you. And he says, abide Abide in my love. So the idea of abide in His love, there's this mutual giving and receiving of love between you and God. That should be happening regularly in your relationship with Him. Let's take receiving first of all. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love Him, why? Because He first loved us. So we're only responding to His preemptive love. And so, how much does the Father love the Son? How much does the Father adore the Son? How much does the Father delight in the Son? That's how much Jesus and the Father loves you and adores you and delights in you. And so daily, you should be just basking in the reality of that. It should actually go something like this in your prayer life. God, I'm totally amazed. That anyone would love me as much as you love me. You sent your son to die in my place for my sins. And it's a preemptive love. You love me first. I'm only responding to your great love. And I know this, that nothing can separate me from your love. That's Romans 8. Psalm 63.3. And your steadfast love for me is better than anyone else's love on this planet. It's better than anything in life. There there should be that level of intimacy where you're just talking to him and you're expressing, you're just saying, oh God, I just, I can't believe you love me so much. I just wanna, many times I go to bed at night just thinking about his love for me. I got a lot of other things that try to intrude my head and get me all rattled and I just go, forget that. I'm gonna talk about and think about his love. I'm just gonna rest in his love. I'm gonna enjoy his love. And you can do that because no one loves you like him. Believe me. But you've got to take out time to just to, to receive it, to have a sense of it on your heart. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make it real to me. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, as we've said. Lord, please, please do your work in my life. You, you don't get more love on your good days and less love on your bad days. Psalm 103:11. it says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. How high are the heavens above the earth? Immeasurable, incalculable, beyond your wildest dreams. How much does He love you? It just says that. As high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how much He loves you. That should blow your mind. That should just take you to a whole new realm, like, whoa, why would I care about the nastiness that these people are saying about me? Why should I even care about what they think? The God of the galaxies loves me immeasurably. See, that's receiving His love. God's love doesn't grow, but your awareness and appreciation and enjoyment of His love does. I really believe that most of our problems are a failure to live out of his love for us. Do you want to know how to overcome self-pity, depression, touchiness, jealousy, fear, and worry? It comes from abiding in his love and living out of his love. So anytime you find yourself responding in an unloving manner, it's because you're not abiding in his love. You're not living in the reality of his love. Don't get down on yourself, just get get back to his love. Just say, Lord, it's evident. I can tell I'm not producing the fruit of your holy spirit, and so I just I need to bask in the reality of your love for me. And then you've got to give him love. So that's receiving his love, then you give him love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mark 11:30. How do you know that you are growing in your love for somebody? How do you know You're growing in your love for someone. You love to spend time with them. Can you say, I love spending time with God in His presence, talking to Him, listening to Him, enjoying Him? I enjoy that more than anything else. That's evidence that you're falling in love with God. You're growing in your love with God. My wife and I have been married a long time, and I'll tell you what, I love hanging out with that girl. She's a sweetheart. She's my drinking buddy. Coffee drinking buddy. Okay? Coffee drinking buddy. Don't run out of here and tell people that Nancy and Ray go bar hopping on weekends. You know I don't go bar hopping because I'm here, okay? But, uh, yeah, I, I love her. I love spending time with her. But I especially love spending time with my Savior. And I really love it when her and I both spend time with our Savior together. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So do you love spending time with God? See, that's how you can tell if you are growing in your love for a friend or a spouse or anybody. Do you enjoy spending time with them? Do you find it getting easier and easier to praise them? Do you find it easier and easier to praise God? If you're falling in love with someone, you find it getting easier and easier to revel and recount and exalt in their beauties and glories. See, when you abide in his love, receiving and giving of his love, are you finding it changing you? It should transform you. Is it making you a more satisfied person, a more calm person, a person more able to face the troubles of life? If not, then you may have a formal connection with God rather than a vital connection with God. A formal connection is just going through the motions. You're just checking a box, read my Bible, boom, prayed, boom, went to church, boom. No, are you connecting with Him? Are you being swept up into His arms of love regularly through your devotions, through your prayer life, through your time today as we worship together at the beginning of this service, and even now as you're worshiping in the study of His Word. Do you feel more treasured and protected as a child of an all-powerful, loving, and wise God? Are you growing in your love for God? You see, a real Christian wants to grow because their love relationship with God is so sweet. Have you ever sat down to eat a dessert and it looked really good and you said to yourself, I'm just gonna take one or two bites. With every dessert, that's me. You take one or two bites and then the next thing you know, the whole dessert is gone where did it go? You start blaming the person sitting across the table. But no, they didn't have a bite. You ate the whole thing. You realize it's in your body. And what happened? Well, you tasted something so incredibly good that your mouth and brain immediately, once more, you're just like, oh, that's so good. It's hard putting the brakes on, isn't it? That's why it tells us in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you've experienced God's love, you want to spend time with Him. You want to enjoy Him, praising Him. You can't get enough of Him. Is that happening to you? I'm talking about stuff here that's going to get you through the difficult times. This whole idea of fruitfulness and Christlikeness and abiding and obeying and loving... It goes to knowing now. The secret to loving is knowing. So, the secret to a fulfilling life is fruitfulness, Christ's likeness. The secret to fruitfulness is is abiding, making your home in the person and work of Christ. Speaks of intimacy with Him. Secret to abiding is obeying. Letting God's word dwell in you, the secret to obeying is loving, just falling in love with him. You just love spending time with him. Secret to loving is knowing. Now we jump ahead, this is the text for next week, but he says, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. So he's describing friendship here. I mean, think about this, he calls us friends? I'm a friend of the Creator, Sustainer of the heavens and the earth? Yeah, that's the level of intimacy that we can have with Him. So, He's giving us a definition of friendship. Friends will always let you in and never let you down. Now, He's the perfect friend, so only He can really fulfill that completely. We try to do that. Listen to what He says in Psalm twenty-five, fourteen about this friendship relationship we have with God. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. What is His covenant? How do I know that I have this intimacy with God? And how do I know that He's made known His covenant? Well, His covenant is the gospel. And this is what you'll discover, is that the gospel becomes the most amazing news you've ever heard. And it creates within you this fear of God. The fear of God is a joyful awe and wonder of the beauty and the glory of who Christ is and what He's done for you that ruins you for anything else. See, that's intimacy with Him. You're getting to know Him. You have this friendship relationship with Him. And in fact, it tells us in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, it gives us really kind of what our heart should be about knowing God he says, let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast of his strength. Let not the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows God, that he knows God. So what we could draw from this is that the smartest, most athletic, richest people on the planet have nothing on those who know God. Do you have any idea what you have in knowing him? It's amazing, absolutely amazing. Secret to a fulfilling life is fruitfulness. Secret to fruitfulness is abiding. The secret to abiding is obeying. The secret to obeying is loving. Secret to loving is knowing. Next weekend, who's your crew? John 15, 12 through 27. There's no fruitfulness apart from community. So we'll talk about that. Friendship with Christ will produce friendship with others. I'll be up front at the end of the service. If you are new, we'd love to meet you, along with any other uh, available elders will be up here also. And so if you're new, we'd love to meet you. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. If you have any questions, we'd love to answer those questions for you. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? So, Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you for the sacrificial work of your Son on the cross, giving us fullness of life that cannot be found anywhere else to know you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is to love you. And to love you is to obey you. And to obey you is to abide in you. And to abide in you is to live a fruitful life. And this fruitful life is a Christ, is Christ-like character giving to us a truly fulfilling life and the ability to face anything in life. May these secrets of the vine be more and more true of each one of us, we pray, for your glory. In our joy, in Jesus' beautiful name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Love you guys.